in the now famous words of Ricky Gervais, we're all gonna die soon and there is no sequel. So why wouldn't you watch NXT? Let's talk about it. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spaz Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with your January 8th NXT review. If you're listening to this in a podcast form, you want to find me on YouTube, look up Spaz Phoenix. If you are watching me on YouTube right now, premiering 7 p.m. on Thursday night, you want to find me in a podcast form, go on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, Google, CastBox, Radio Public, Overcast, Player.fm, Anchor, Breaker, Spreaker, Castro, Overcast, and Podcast Addict. Put in Spaz Phoenix Podcast, you will find this show. The show's growing, thanks in large part to some great shout-outs by uh, Joe Cronin over on The Joe Cronin Show. So, uh, you know, send him a line and uh, tell him Spaz says hello. And I will go into a couple of programming notes. And yes... Through all of 2019, I came up here and said, hey, we're going to do this, and then it happened, or it didn't, and hey, we're going to do this, and it happened, and maybe it happened late. I can tell you these two things are coming because they're already in the can. They're already recorded. They're already in queue to be released at their appropriate times. Tomorrow, or I should, I should say today, because you guys are watching this on Thursday at 7 p.m. If you like what you see here, come back in an hour. Come back at 8 p.m. I will give you my full thoughts going into NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool 2, the pay-per-view competing for the title of longest title in WWE history. Um, it was a little bit of a different thing. There is no co-host with me because I don't know of anybody that watches NXT UK on a regular basis, including myself. So I really did this preview from the perspective of somebody who hasn't watched the show in a long time, is familiar with the characters, and, and sees where they could go, rather than, hey, here's how we got here, here's what I think. So please join me for that in about an hour after you're done watching this, if you're catching this live. On Friday at 7, in the usual, like, whatever the other video is this week, time slot, you got myself and you got Guapo, and we finally got around to doing our fantasy WrestleMania booking for this year's WrestleMania. Unfortunately, Kristen did not join us. Kristen, uh, quite frankly, doesn't uh, give a damn about wrestling right now, and I can't blame her in the slightest. So, uh, all, all kudos to her. Thank you for Thank you to Guapo for uh, for being a great co-host with me on that. It was a lot of fun. Please forgive it, because it was recorded a couple days ago as well, and we were very, very tired, myself especially. Uh, but the, between the two of us, we, we spit out uh, about 20 matches that could be on a WrestleMania that's not actually happening. It's just for fun. Go check it out. It's about an hour long, and yeah, it'll set you up for uh, if you're watching SmackDown on Friday. Now go back into NXT, which is what we're talking about tonight. Start off with a video package, as we always do. And they did the previously on NXT, but we're basically pretending that the awards show last week and the pre-taped show the week before didn't happen, which is a bummer, because on that pre-taped show was the debut of not only Shotzi Blackheart, who I'm a huge fan of, but also Austin Theory, who has my attention and we'll talk about later on tonight. But we did go back to that night, Gargano returning, costing Valor the title, um, Adam Cole obviously retaining, and Rhea Ripley, more importantly, in the main event, riding the wave of the NXT universe as she won the uh, NXT Women's Championship from Shayna Baszler in an amazing match. And I will say, without hyperbole, one of the best women's matches of the year. And no, it didn't involve Sasha Banks. Oh, yes. 
Start off the show live in full sail with Rhea Ripley coming out. Both of the commentators were trying to come up with different ways to praise her moral reality, uh, calls her something that he's called her before, which is the talented Mrs. Ripley, which is great. And keeping with the movie theme, the movie pun theme, Nigel McGuinness said her winning the title was the nightmare before Christmas, which is good, but all of that was drowned out by the fans in full sail chanting, you deserve it. She talks, starts talking about memories. She talks about arriving in NXT UK, the Mae Young Classic arriving in NXT proper, becoming the champion, celebrating with you, celebrating on all your shoulders, and I'll never forget it. And she's cut off by a bit of music that I haven't heard in a while. And for a second, my brain didn't work properly, and I thought it was Baszler coming out, and I thought it was Baszler coming out to ask for her rematch. But it was only fucking Tony Storm. Tony Storm comes out, congratulates her, says, I'm very, very proud of you. But remember that time when I beat you? Over in over in NXT UK. Remember that time I beat you twice, and uh, and she just sort of lets it linger for a second because Tony Storm, as I mentioned in the video that you're going to watch in about an hour from now, Tony Storm isn't the pure Snow White babyface that she was the last time I saw her. But she starts she starts getting just under the skin a bit. And she, I guess she has to because Ripley's not a heel anymore. But she, you know, I'm going to tell you something right now. This Sunday. I'm going to go to Blackpool, I'm going to get the UK Championship back, and at Worlds Collide, if you accept my challenge, I'm going to walk out of Worlds Collide as a double champion. And the crowd, right on cue almost, starts chanting, Tony Two Belts, which is, which is really cool, because it means that people know who Tony Storm is, even though Rhea Ripley's had much more exposure, which is great, but it means that they are really quick to hop on to the next thing. Rhea Ripley is riding this huge wave, and I don't think that wave is gone. Don't get me wrong. But, um, but it was really, like, it, it, it turned on a dime, and it's, it's, it's weird. Then we get some more music, and, and we get, start getting the parade of people, and it starts, I'm not gonna lie, they do it better than Monday Raw, but it felt a little bit Monday Night Raw here. Kaylee Ray comes out. She's the current uh, NXT UK Women's Champion. She's going to defend against Tony Storm and Piper Niven. Um, this Sunday at the pay-per-view, as we talk about in the in the next video, uh, kind of a bummer that because we're bringing up all the uh, all these championship accolades, that Piper Niven wasn't in the conversation tonight. I mean, I mean, I know travel is a thing, and they got to do the shows and whatever. Um, and Kaylee Ray says, you know, don't put the cart before the horse, be Tony, because nobody believes you're beating me on Sunday. This using main NXT, main televised NXT to promote this show on Sunday is fucking brilliant, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep harping on that. As we go, Io Shirai then comes out, tries to grab the microphone from Kaylee Ray, and uh, tries to grab it from her, but it drops and it hits the ramp and it makes a sound. And Mauro Ronaldo on commentary without missing a beat is like, I don't think Kaylee Ray, or I don't think that's the kind of mic drop Kaylee Ray was trying to start 2020 with. Io Shirai comes in the ring. She doesn't say very much. She just sort of stares down Rhea Ripley for a second and looks at the belt and says, that's mine, which is great. And then Bianca Belair comes out and she banters on and on and on and on and comes into the ring and does the I'm better than you, I'm better than you, I'm better than you, I'm better than you. If you ever questioned why I love Bianca Belair in the ring and hate everything else about her, go back and watch her section of this promo. She even does the whole, oh my god, and you don't even go here. And yes, that's how bad it sounded. Bianca Belair, the character, is terrible. Bianca Belair, the athlete, the wrestler, the in-ring performer is fucking great. I don't know how her character can be this shit. Uh, Candice LeRae comes up. She doesn't even say anything because Ripley cuts her off and says, let me guess, you want to fight too? And, and Candice LeRae just sort of shrugs and says, well, 
Yeah. And what have we got? We've got uh, three baby faces. We've got three heels. Somebody runs down to the referee. This is kind of cool, though, because it's not like the main roster where you go to commercial break and a match just happens, you know, six-man tag team match play and all that sort of thing. No, William Regal has sent a representative down to the ring to physically relay the message to the referee that he has signed a match that's going to happen right now. It's not that different, and it still does follow the, the framework of what they would do on a Monday Night Raw or especially a Friday Night Smackdown, but it was just a little bit more real, a little bit more in-house and a little bit more uh, more congruous, if that makes sense. So we did, in fact, get Rhea Ripley, Tony Storm and Candice LeRae taking on Io Shirai, Bianca Belair and why can't I think of the last name, Kaylee Ray. It was a bit of a mess like the main event, which we're going to talk about later on. I do not have all the notes that this match deserves, but we're going to give it a shot. The whole match starts after the announcement with a suicide dive by Candice LeRae on all three heels on the outside. There's a step-up on in the ring by LeRae, a boot by Ripley. Ripley and Ray have a shoving match. There's a front suplex by Ripley. There's a pump kick by Storm, a double suplex by Shirai and Belair, a mud hole stomp by Belair, a missile drop kick by Kaylee Ray, a series of strikes by LeRae and a super kick. Shirai and Lee hit a double team beatdown for quite a Quite quite a while on one of the uh, on one of the baby faces in the corner, and then there's a face buster by Shirai. Shirai, off as she's coming off the top rope to deliver something to the opponents, knocks Belair, her own partner, off the off the apron side, which is really cool. We're sowing a little seed for the rest of the match, which is nice. Snapmare and a and a knee strike by Lee, an abdominal stretch. Sorry, I totally lost my voice there for a split second. That wasn't fun. Uh, chin lock with a post by Ray, chops in the corner. LeRae tosses out Belair, a swanton bomb by Ray, a spear and a drop kick by Ripley, and an uppercut by Shirai as we go to a proper commercial break. We didn't get the pitcher in pitcher, which is kind of a bummer. Poison Rana by LeRae as we come back from the commercial break, and Belair spears Shirai off the apron by accident. Hmm, sowing another seed. It's great. Snap German suplex by Storm, a running forearm, a super kick by Ray, a corner kick by Shirai, and a blockbuster. Shirai wants a moonsault, but Belair wants the tag. Belair and Shirai get into it a little bit. A boot by Belair, sorry, a boot to Belair by Ripley and a riptide, and I will say, I will say, kind of like a really, really nasty piece of roadkill on the side of the road, Belair did really, really, really take a nice riptide from Rhea Ripley for the faces to get the win. Ripley stormed LeRae, but the story is after this match because the people you want to see in this scenario, other than Io Shirai, Io Shirai is sort of a separate scenario because I want to see her in the picture too, but you've got Ripley and Storm who started the segment, who started the whole show, who who had the promo at the beginning and they come back together at the end and, and it's sort of a celebratory, sort of a hey we did it, but also sort of a stare down. And as they're staring each other down, as they, you know, may come to blows, may argue some more, whatever. In the background, you see Kaylee Ray doing the nice girl thing. She's gone to get Ripley's belt and hand it back to her. But as soon as she's got it in her hands, she just kind of holds it for a second. And Storm and Ripley just, you see the heads turn. And it's just, uh, my, my hat has to go right off to the, to the cameraman, to the director, to the whatever you want to call that role, because this was shot perfectly. You had these two that were going to go at it, and then both of the, they're, like I said, I'm, I'm doing the hands thing again. For people listening on audio, that's terrible audio, but just the dramatic way that the two of them were 100% focused on each other, and then both mutually sort of turned to LeRae, because that's a triple threat match I would like to see, and that is just different enough from what they did 
over in the UK when their roles were reversed. Let's be real. I'm repeating what I said in the video you're going to see later on, but I don't care. Ripley was a great heel in the UK, and she came over and immediately became a face because of how over she was in NXT proper. Uh, Tony Storm isn't a heel per se now, but she was a great babyface before, and now she's sort of, you know, a little bit on edge because she wants her title back, etc. So we've almost had a role reversal. It's the same rivalry. Just insert a third element like Candice LeRae, and it's just good because she was trying to do the nice thing too. She was like, you know, we won. My partner's the champion. I'll, I'll go to the corner. I'll grab the belt, and I'll, I'll hand her her belt as a show of respect. But she just hesitates, and that it's that look of, yeah, but wouldn't this be great if it was mine? And it was all really, it played out in about three seconds, what I'm trying to explain here. And it was just really, really, really good. And then we got serious for a second because we cut to Mauro Ronaldo. This happened more than once on this show. And here's where I got to give WWE a lot of credit. Yeah, you could say that they're all assholes and they do this and that politically. And oh, maybe they just did this to look good. I don't care. When they cut to Mauro Ronaldo on commentary talking about all the wildfires and all the horrible shit that's going on in Australia right now and all the land that's been lost, people that have been either killed or injured, uh, all the wildlife that's been, like, wiped out. And they do about a, th a three-minute spot, you know, please donate to the Red Cross if you're able, Roddy Roddy Rob. Mauro Ronaldo being the one to deliver the message, you know, we are one, we are with you, is a fucking phenomenal thing. And if you try to take that away... You're a shithead. That's all I have to say about that. We have a video package for Tommaso Ciampa, and this was sort of cut into two bits, but I'm really just going to go through it all now. He narrates the whole thing as he's, like, standing... You remember back in the day, Monday Night Raw, they always used to film outside in the dark next to, like, a chain-link fence, or there was a there was a drum with a fire in it, because that was the old Monday Night Raw aesthetic. He's kind of doing the same thing in front of a metal grate door type thing, and he's sort of narrating his path to NXT, his path to the title, the 238 days that he was champion, how he got injured, how it felt to give up the belt, talks about what Cole has done with the belt uh, since since he's been away. Talks about the fact that he's not a real champion. He's not the real champion because he never beat me for it. You've got my belt. You don't deserve it. So if you want to be the champion, why don't you come face the real champion? Talks about how empty he's felt since not having the title. Talks about all he wants is Goldie back, and he's coming for it. And at the end of the second part of the promo, he just raises his hand, and I couldn't tell what he had in his hand at first, but then he sort of turns him a little bit, and it's the Champa nameplates from the NXT title, and that's fucking brilliant, because you got to imagine that when he had to give up that title, and they had to put Adam Cole's uh, logos on it or whatever, I don't even know what it is, is it the Undisputed Era logo? I'm not sure. But you have to imagine that the character of Tommaso Ciampa, sitting at home, doesn't have his belt, and he's just sitting there with these two side plates in his hand, you know, where's the rest of it, type thing. It's just really good, and it wasn't too, it was a lot of symbolism but it wasn't cheesy symbolism. It was just, you're not the real champ. Like, he's just stating facts. You're not the real champ. You didn't beat the real champ. You know, accept my challenge. All I need is one shot. Keith Lee talks about the Fatal 4-Way match that we're going to talk about later tonight. And then we get into the Dusty Classic for this year. And they're all, all the first round matches are... NXT versus NXT UK, which feeds into Worlds Collide, which feeds into NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool 2. Uh, we got the Forgotten Sons versus Imperium. Now, this is weird, as I as I talk about in the video that you guys are going to see later on. Don't know really where Imperium sits as far as the limbo between NXT and NXT UK. The Forgotten Sons are the Forgotten Sons, and it's... 
I mean, I could go through it, but it's not, it's not anything really, really earth-shaking. I'm not going to lie. I like the guys from Imperium, uh, Barthel and Eichner, and I really, and I driv drove this into the ground all through 2019. I really want NXT, because they're not perfect. I want them to give me a reason to care about the Forgotten Sons. I really do. But here we go. Barthel and Blake start off the match. There's a quick pin attempt by Cutler. There's a snapmare by Blake. A double eh, a double drop kick by Imperium. An uppercut by Barthel. A DDT by Blake. Fabian and Cutler trade some punches on the outside of the ring. There's a backbreaker by Cutler, followed by a Boston Crab, followed by a suplex. Working the back. There's a little bit of good storytelling there. It's good. Double boot by Barthel. A suplex by... Uh, I can't read my own writing, by Fabian, a superkick brainbuster combination by the Suns, Blake and Fabian trade some more shots, there's a dropkick by Blake, and the European Bomb gets the win for Imperium. Now, the European Bomb, it's, it's a combination of two moves that you imagine would be really impressive, because a European uppercut, you got to imagine, would like jack your jaw pretty pretty good and a power bomb is a power bomb it's the most easily it's the most easy to imagine impact ever um two winters ago i uh i was going out to the car i flat backed on the driveway on the ice because i was more worried about getting to work than i was about safety and i did the whole like almost cartoonish like i didn't just fall backwards my feet went up and i went back and i flat backed along my shoulder blades and because i watched so much wrestling after I sort of shook it off, one of the first things I thought was, I wonder if that's what a power bomb feels like. Because that's how my brain works. It doesn't work properly, does it? Um, so, you know, if you imagine that's what a power bomb feels like, and you imagine, you know, everybody's, you know, had their jaw jacked at some point or another, the two of them should be the ultimate finisher, but it just looks awkward. It looks like, you know, he gets uppercutted and then the fall happens. It doesn't look like it's one continuous maneuver. Now, that's that's not the end of the world. A, a, a two-stage impact finisher isn't the, isn't the end of the world, but it's not. I don't think it ever has the impact to me on TV that they think it does. Doesn't take away from the match. Doesn't take away from the fact that of two teams that I'm really not that interested in going forward, no judgment on their talent or whatever, but I don't think Imperium is going to win the whole tournament, and I definitely don't think the Forgotten Sons are going to win the whole tournament. So Imperium wins, and it's like, eh? They're going to go on to face either Andrews and Webster or the weird team of Riddle and Dunn. Speaking of the team of Riddle and Dunn, Riddle is interviewed in the back, and he talks about, you know, why is he teaming with Pete Dunn? He says, well, you're a bro, or I'm a bro, and you're a bruiser weight. How about we, uh, how about we do the Dusty Classic? And then he said something to the effect of, and then the broser weights were born. And it's just corny enough that if it was anybody but Matt Riddle, it wouldn't work. But Matt Riddle, like, I know it's, I know it's part of the aesthetic of his character and whatever, and that doesn't help when you go on to Twitter and you can tell that it's sort of him for real, too. Riddle doesn't give a fuck. Riddle could walk into the Full Sail Arena next week and be like, I'm getting a title match. Cool, bro. I'm going to put bro on the belt. It's going to be awesome. He's going to have, like, gold sandals to match the belt. I don't really know. We get a video pack for Gallus because the one, the one group from UK that didn't really get featured when all the brands were kind of facing each other was Gallus. Because we saw Imperium. We saw the in, in involvement of Walter, Imperium, Kaylee Ray. Uh, we saw some involvement with uh, Travis Banks, you know, the only Banks that matters. Um, but they didn't bring over Gallus, and I thought that was really weird, because Gallus is a really fun fun group for what they are. And, as we're going to talk about later on, I, I, really do, I really do love their entrance. 
their entrance music is awesome. It's so subdued, and it almost sounds like hangout music. I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody but me. And they are the UK tag team champions right now, and the UK tag belts are fucking gorgeous, are they not? The um, the women's title and the men's title over in the UK are are gorgeous belts as well, but the tag belts are are particularly nice. NXT has some good-looking belts, too, but the ones over in the UK are just a little bit better. Here's one that uh, I, I didn't think was happening out of nowhere. Austin Theory, who we just talked about at the pre-taped show and whatever, and I wish they had hyped that pre-taped episode, because we got two reasonably hyped-up debuts, because I know a lot of people, especially people more familiar with Evolve, were excited about Austin Theory, and I hope they were as excited about uh, seeing Austin Theory on their TVs as I was to see Shotzi Blackheart. We're going to talk about Shotzi Blackheart later on as well, are we not? But Austin Theory, and he's taking on Joaquin Wild, or, or formerly known as DJZ, who I really like, and I just think he's a goofball. I think, I mean, he's a great wrestler, but he's also just a goofball, and he's fun to watch in the ring, and I've said this a million times, and I'm going to keep saying it, into 2020, into 2021, into 2022, I might even just control C, control V, if you can tell the wrestlers in the ring that you are watching, it doesn't matter how good, bad, or indifferent the characters are, the stories are, they could be in a completely ridiculous goofball situation, if you can tell that the wrestlers themselves are having a good time, it makes it better. That's how, I mean, New Day are household names now, but when they first started their shtick and people were just starting to figure out what they were, that helped, because you could tell that they were just three guys having a really, really good time. Walking Wild is very much the same way. I like DJ Z because he was all out there and weird in uh, back in the day when Impact was, was something that I watched, but um, when I heard he was coming to NXT, I was like, okay, here's this guy that I already kind of liked. NXT is going to fix him up a little bit more. It's going to be good. He hasn't been around for a while. I think he got injured. Somebody tell me down in the box below if I'm wrong, and he's going up against Austin Theory. So we got a comeback versus a relatively new guy, which is an awesome story because you got two different guys with two different versions of something to prove. Awesome. This was a firecracker, like, three-minute match, and it was probably one of my favorite matches of the night, if I'm honest. Color noble tie-up and Wild works the arm, then the ankle. He's going from the arm to the ankle, and it threw Austin Aries, or I'm going to do that, aren't I? I'm going to say Austin Aries a lot when I mean to say Austin Theory. It throws Austin Theory off because you don't think about somebody, you know, maybe, you know, go the Pete Dunn route. You know, you got somebody working your arm, maybe then they'll go to your wrist, maybe then they'll go to your elbow. You don't think about somebody going to your arm and then to your ankle. And then he kept on trying to reverse out of the ankle lock, and he just kept on rolling him right back into it. Back elbow by Wild, uh, uppercut and some head scissors. Hangman by Hangman by Theory. I thought I'm gonna say like I'm gonna say all kinds of stupid shit with Austin Theory. I am gonna say Austin Aries. I'm gonna come up with something really stupid like Theory of a Dead Man. It's gonna be absolutely terrible. I'm gonna butcher this. The guy's second match on on proper NXT TV, and I'm just gonna fuck it up, aren't I? Stomp, Fisherman Suplex, Cobra Clutch by Theory, high knee and some forearms, a Superman forearm by Wild, the top rope head scissor, a drop kick by Theory, but a TKO by Austin Theory, or his modified version of a TKO, and I didn't hear what they called it, gets the win for Austin Theory. Now, Joaquin Wild is a fun wrestler, like I said, and he doesn't, I don't think, in my personal opinion anyways, other people may disagree, uh, he went in there and made a good showing of himself in a really, really short match and made Austin Theory look great, so I don't think he looks any of the worse for losing. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. It's NXT. Everybody wins. You want some women's wrestling? You got some six-woman six tag at the beginning of the show with all these fucking top stars like Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm and, and 
it's good. You want some tag team wrestling? We got the Dusty Classic, and we're going to talk even more, even more, even more about the Dusty Classic as we go on. You want main eventers? You got the, the package from Ciampa. You got Gargano and, and Balor that we're going to talk about later on. You got Adam Cole in the Undisputed Era. It's all good. You want brand new guys under all that? You got Joaquin Wild, and Austin Theory, and guys like Bronson Reed. It's, it's, there's nothing that you don't have in NXT. And I will say this, because you guys know the drill. I watch NXT. Then I record NXT. I talk to you guys into the screen, whatever. It is what it is. While I'm editing this, while I'm editing this video that you're watching right now, know that while I was uploading it, I was then watching AEW. That's how it works. But people that I know slash like slash respect slash agree with on Twitter we're tweeting about AEW, and oh boy, let me tell you, I cannot uh, wait to see what that shitstorm was all about. I think it was about their women's division. Big surprise. Damian Priest talks about the Fatal 4-Way match we're going to have later on. Then we have Undisputed Era versus Gallus. We have Wolfgang and Mark Coffey taking on Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish of the Undisputed Era. We have the NXT Tag Team Champions taking on the NXT UK Tag Team Champions. The guys... With the, with the cool music and the better belts taking on probably the best, one of the best things other than the NXT Women's Division in all of WWE. Champs versus champs, it's all good. Corner splash by Wolfgang to start because he's a big dude and the other guys are small, so why not? Toss across the ring, body shots by Coffee. Coffee and O'Reilly trade some punches. Corner shots by Coffee and a back body drop. A double monkey flip by Gallus, which was awkward because they're two big guys tossing one small guy. It shouldn't take two big guys, but whatever. Series of strikes by Fish and more by O'Reilly. They just sort of hand it off to each other. Here, it's strike, 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 strike. Hand it off to my partner so he can get some more strikes in too. It was, you don't, you think of chain wrestling and you think of submission wrestling or joint manipulation as being fluid. You don't think about a striking game between two partners as being fluid, but O'Reilly and Fish are, because they're great. Hard Irish Whip by Coffee, and yes, it does let me, it does give me a chance to stick in the old commentator's trope of the Irish Whip by the Irishman, and let's just agree right now that I'm never going to do that again. Kitchen Sink by Coffee and a flying senton by Wolfgang, and isn't that just a terrifying sentence. We go to a commercial break because we had less pitcher in pitcher this week, and that's okay. Gave everybody a chance to breathe. Forearms by Wolfgang and a double team by Fish and O'Reilly. Crossface shots by Fish, a backdrop by Wolfgang. Rolling lariats by Mark Coffey and a half Nelson slam. More double teaming, more double teaming strikes by Fish and O'Reilly. A backdrop by Coffey. A catapult Samoan drop by Gallus. Catapult into the Samoan drop by Gallus, I should say. I can't read my own writing. You guys know this by now. All four men get in the ring and brawl. And then there's an assisted suicide dive by Coffee to the outside on the two smaller guys. There's a bit of a scuffle. The referee gets distracted. Adam Cole hits a cheap shot in Seguri, leading to the high-low by Fish and O'Reilly, getting them the win. Now... Undisputed Era are a well-oiled machine. They had the numbers advantage. Joe Coffey was not with his boys tonight, so they did not have somebody backing them up on their side. There's the story that you tell. There's where you don't have the losing team lose any face. You don't have the losing champions lose any face. You put Adam Cole in the mix, and his boys get ahead, A, because it's a home game, and B, because they are the Undisputed Era, and C, because they've got Adam Cole, baby. This worked. You knew going into this, people were going to be worried about, okay, you got champions versus champions. NXT is established. NXT UK isn't. How do you have them lose without those titles and that brand losing face? You cheat. 
you cheat. You protect Gallus, and they they got they got shit going on this Sunday. They're in a in a four way tag match for those sorry a four way tag ladder match for those titles on Sunday. Joe Coffey, their their third member who wasn't here tonight, is going up against Walter. So good luck with that. Gallus doesn't lose any face at all, but. We know that Fish and O'Reilly are going to go on and either face the Grizzled Young Veterans or Kushida and his mystery partner. His mystery partner. We will get to that shortly. We replay the Gargano return, the fact that he cost Balor the title in the post-match assault. It's all good. Then we get a video package on the Andrews, uh, on sorry, on Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. For anybody that's not familiar with them, just another fun team, another fun great. Team and it's just it's just it's like the Joaquin Wild thing. It's like my New Day example. They are just a, they're they're a great in-ring team and they're a dynamic, high-flying team in a division over in the UK that's <coughs> full of bigger brawler type guys. They are the ones that stand out as they are the high-flying team. But they're also a lot of fun. The music is fun. It's I think it's Mark Andrews Band that plays their entrance music. Everything about their act is good. I don't know how it would translate if they tried to permanently transition over into NXT. And again, I'm rehashing stuff that's that you're going to see in the video later on, and I should stop doing that, because I want you guys to actually come and watch that video, because I had a lot of fun doing it. Gargano comes out to the ring with a microphone, said he's waited a long time to have a microphone in his hand and come out to all of us and talk to him about the prince, and, you know, heavy, heavy quotation marks. You, yes. I won't take anything away from you, Balor. You took, you did a lot to build this brand, and you did a lot to put me out. I missed a takeover. Johnny Takeover missed a takeover, but you didn't finish the job. You left this place behind, and I stayed here. That's why I'm Johnny Wrestling. That's why I'm Johnny NXT now. While you went up to the main roster and became the extraordinary man that does extraordinary things, Johnny Gargano stayed here while you took NXT to New Heights. I took NXT into space. We went to New Heights without you, and it eats you alive that we don't need you anymore. That, from Johnny Gargano, who can sometimes come off as a bit of an emo, I like Johnny Gargano. He's great in the ring. He has he has the crowd's heart in the palm of his hand. He is NXT's Daniel Bryan. But especially when he was a couple years ago when he was cutting the promos, walking down by the river and he just seemed a little bit emo. This this was better. This was Johnny Gargano with an edge. This was Johnny Gargano fired up. And this was Johnny Gargano who is having a little bit more character development because he's not, there's no crutch in this feud. Like, the, the crutch would be if he was just going back for the title again. Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna get back the title because it should have been mine and I'm going to bring the title back home and I'm going to show the family and, you know, talk about all that shit, right? All the shit that he was talking about with Adam Cole where I wish my 70-whatever-year-old dad had punched your lights out. That's not what this is. This is just, you know, two generations of NXT. And when you think about the fact that NXT in the grand scheme of things, hasn't been around that long. So to think that there are already established generations of NXT, I mean, we don't talk about when it used to be a game show, but a battle of generations in such a young brand is a really, really cool thing, because even the older generation, again, in tight air quotes, is Finn fucking Balor. Anyways, Balor comes out and says, what a promo, Johnny. That was a great promo. We should call you Johnny promo, shouldn't we? Because that's all you're cleared to do at the moment. NXT is my chessboard, and yes, you are what I say you are. You are soft. You want a moment? You want a match with me? Go talk to William Regal. I'll give you your match. I'll give you your match in Portland, even, if you make it that far. And he drops the mic. That's fucking brilliant. 
fucking brilliant. And you didn't need any more than that. Again, I, I, I accused them of being a little bit Monday Night Raw-esque in the beginning segment where they talked and then somebody else came out and then somebody else came out and then somebody else came out and then we got a tag match. This, on the main roster, would have been talked to death and they didn't do it. And it's really good. And they didn't have Finn Balor go out there and smile. And, I'm gonna get you, fella, or some bullshit like that. We have Sheamus on SmackDown to do that, beating up the guy that's dressed like a Gatorade bottle. We see a video package on the Grizzled Young Veterans. And they're a fun team. They're a brawling team. I like them. If you're not familiar with them, I do suggest, you know, hop on. I'm, I'm not going to tell you what to watch. But if you are curious about them, I would say go check out a couple, like just look them up on YouTube. They are a, they are a fun team. And they have this, as the name suggests, they have this really old school, like worn down, very experienced, but yet like young enough to back up the bad attitudes that they have. It's a really cool dichotomy and it's all summed up in that name, the Grizzled Young Veterans. But, but, here's the rub. Who are they facing? Who are they facing? They are facing Kushida and question mark. They are facing Kushida and the cutout. They are, they are facing Kushida and vacant. Except they're not facing Kushida and vacant because the, ne the next announcement that we got was Kushida's partner is the debuting fucking Alex Shelley. Alex Shelley. One half of the Motor City Machine Guns. One of the teams. There was two teams that I was really, really bummed that uh, WWE never got their hands on when Impact was worth talking about back in the day when it was in its prime. When it was in its... I shouldn't say when it was in its prime. I know they're doing cool things now. When I say it's prime, I mean when all the people we love in WWE now, the AJ Styleses, the Samoa Joes, the Bobby Roods, etc., were all there and they were all killing it. Two teams that I wanted them to sign that I never thought they would. One was Kaz and Daniels. And uh, Daniels is just falling down on the ramp on AEW now, so that's fine. The other was the Motor City Machine Guns. I would have really loved to see the Motor City Machine Guns versus the Hardys. I'm sure it's happened somewhere else. Somebody is going to tell me in the box below or in the chat over there that it has happened somewhere. I mean, I would love to see that on the big stage that I think it deserves to be on. So if we're going to get Kushida, who I really like and is a lot of fun, uh, teaming up with Alex Shelley... That's really, really cool, and it's just a little it's just a little bit off of what I was asking for in the best way possible, because it's somebody that I've always wanted to see versus somebody that I'm already or teaming up with somebody that I'm already enjoying. And apparently, they've been a tag team, Kashida and Alex Shelley. Apparently it's called they're called the time splitters, which, you know, my thing's flashing at me. I'm gonna do something for a second. Hold on. Gotta love it when the camera says that the battery's almost dead when it's fully, almost full still. That's that's just not a thing at all. So anyways, the time splitters. Kushida and Alex Shelley are going to take on the Grizzled Young Vets next week. Then we got another match because I thought we were going to go into the main event looking at how much time we had left and sort of gauging how much time a Fatal 4-Way of this size would take up. I thought we were going right into the main event, but no, we got something else in the middle. We got my girl Mia Yim because, you know, we haven't had enough women's division. Here, have some more women's division fucking great. Mia Yim, who I like, taking on Caden Carter, who I like. How can I complain about this? Long exchange of kicks to start. They did this really slow-paced sort of feeling each other out thing at the beginning of the match. 
chop by Carter, springboard arm drag into a dropkick, a head scissor that gets countered into a set-out powerbomb by Yim, a why can't I read my own writing, a basement dropkick by Yim, a surfboard stretch, a back drop by Yim, some chops in the corner, a face wash over the bottom rope by Carter that just looked weird because she took her back into a really, I can't even describe it, I'm not going to try, but she did the face wash over the bottom rope and it took her back into a really, really awkward looking arch and then she followed that up with a super kick once she was able to get to her feet again, but she went to the top rope to tie atop the, the patented top rope something, Mia Yim saw her, caught her, hit her with the protect your neck off the top rope and Mia Yim gets the win, but she doesn't really get to enjoy it for that long because post-match assault by Chelsea Green, who was out there with a male manager whose name I didn't catch and his brand is going to take over NXT and Chelsea Green is the number one pick of his brand so I guess we're do we're doing a role reversal of the of the manager with the hot or sorry with of the wrestler with the hot manager so now we've got Chelsea Green who could just go out there and do shit like she did on Raw a couple of weeks ago which was great and now we're going to stick her with some douchebag to make sure she's nice and annoying so we don't cheer her too much as much as I love that I don't at the same time because I don't need to be annoyed because you can just have you can just have heels that you like that that can be a thing you can just let it be a thing I don't know how I feel about this yet because the other one is Deanna Perrazzo who is rumored to be going straight to the main roster apparently she had a soft soft launch on on main event after her one off on Raw so if that's the case I'm <coughs> sorry guys and especially anybody listening in audio form, if that just burst your eardrum, I really do apologize. Chelsea Green and Deanna Prazo, to the best of my knowledge, on the NXT house shows were a proper tag team, to the point where their merch, like the names on their merch, were like matching logos. So, I don't get that, unless you want to play them off as the team that, the team that is taking over more than one brand. I don't know, unless they're breaking that team up, which is really unfortunate, although... Deanna Perrazzo is probably main roster ready, isn't she? I don't know, but add one more name to the list of awesome names in the NXT Women's Division. And then, if you still haven't had enough NXT Women's Division, we get the announcement that next week we're having a number one contenders women's battle royal for the NXT Women's Championship to find out who Rhea Ripley's next opponent is. I... As much as I'm biased, and as much as you can look at that graphic and see that my girl Shotzi Blackheart is on there, I really hope it's Io Shirai. Io Shirai or Dakota Kai. The two best heel turns, sorry Bailey, of 2019, one of them, or both of them, need to go up against Rhea Ripley at Portland. Because I think that'll be really, really good. Yes, I am biased. Yes, I want my girl Shotzi Blackheart to have some good things happen to her in NXT, but she just got there. We can get there slowly. It'll be good. You can never fight somebody. You can never have her versus Mia Yim. Be great. Have her versus Caden Carter, who we just talked about. It would be really, really great. You can just put her on my TV to stand there and wave at the crowd. And that will be pretty good with the green hair and the helmet with the horns on it. It's all good. Now, let's get into our main event before I completely lose my voice. Lee versus Strong versus Dijak versus Grimes. Let's hop right into it because the... What is it? The... Um, introductions take up enough time on their own do they not I have to say it because I pretty much say it every single time I still love um, what's his name priests 
entrance. The whole Archer of Infamy, I wrote Strong there for some reason. Strong's the guy that has the title that they're all fighting for. That's what fucked me up. Um, his entrance where he's, you know, doing the invisible archery thing to light up the Titan Tron and then light up the ceiling Tron above the ring, it's still really good. Everybody in that building loves Keith Lee, and spoiler, did anybody think Keith Lee wasn't winning this? Lee tosses, a, Lee tosses Grimes across the ring to start. Dijak does the same thing to Priest. They do some tandem torture racks on the smaller guys, Grimes, and we get a, a mini sort of tag team scenario where it's Grimes and Priest trying to take on the two bigger guys in Dijak and Lee. There's a, uh, I can't read my writing, there's a cornerback elbow by Priest. Lee and Dijak toss the smaller guys between them. There's a lot of toss toss one small guy to the other big guy, and the other guy throws them somewhere. All four of them make their way to the outside and brawl for a little bit. Lee tosses Grimes into the rail, and then there's a suicide dive by Priest. Dropkick by Grimes, a back elbow by Priest. Grimes and Priest tumble to the outside while Lee and Dijak brawl on the other side. Double chops by Lee, a headbutt and a deadlift superplex. Deadlift superplex up and over the top from the apron is, is a hell of a thing. We, we're so used to seeing Cesaro do it that seeing an even bigger guy do it doesn't seem surprising, but that's still a hell of a feat. You know, the torque in your back and the and the explosive power of, of everything that you're doing there is, it shouldn't be undersold, is what I'm saying. Spin kick by Priest, feast your eyes by Dijak, obviously a pounce by Lee, obviously a reckoning by Priest, obviously a boot by Dijak. Priest and Dijak trade some kicks, there's a double choke. They try to double choke each other, sort of Undertaker Kane style, but then Lee does what Lee does now, is, is he gets in that shot, and it's much like the shot uh, that I was talking about with the women earlier, where you've got two, and then a third one just sort of emerges, while Keith Lee does his whole, like, rising villain head thing, and he double choke slams the two guys that were double choking each other. That made me smile. Grimes! I don't like Grimes. I still don't like Grimes. But Grimes managed to hit his weird, flippy, crossbody thing on Keith Lee. Much as I don't like him, that was impressive. Inside out, moonsault by Grimes, a double chop by Lee, spirit bomb on Priest that just sent him bouncing off the canvas. Gets the obvious win for Keith Lee and we get the clarification that he gets to take on Roderick Strong one-on-one -on -one for the North American Championship in two weeks at full sale. So they're not saving it for Worlds Collide. They're not gonna play it out as far as, as to Portland. That's That's good. Because, you know, you put that title on him and he can go do something else with it. It can be the beginning of the downfall of the Undisputed Era. Or, you know, you could do some stuff with Strong and Cole. Or whatever you want to do. Um, there's a lot of storytelling you can do with that title loss or title retention that doesn't necessarily have to happen at a pay-per-view. So, two weeks from now, we're getting that match. Next week, we're getting the Women's number 1 Contendership Battle Royal, which is going to be awesome. Uh, we're getting Kushida and fucking Alex Shelley taking on the Grizzled Young Veterans, and I think we're getting the last match in the Dusty uh, first round as well, but I'm not sure. They didn't quite clarify it. So please, because I know something happened on AEW this week that's pissing everybody off. I think it was in the women's division, although I can't really tell. I didn't look too far into it. Please tell me you didn't get every single thing you wanted tonight. In this, in this show on NXT. You built up your next contender for the mid-card title. You have your non-title main event feud going on. You have your title main event feud going on. You have a women's division that you could beat AEW over the head with until it is a lifeless corpse. NXT's pretty good. I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation, keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, I'm losing my voice, so I'm tagging out. Bye, guys.